All right. Good afternoon. Welcome to a Wednesday episode of Crypto with English. So today's theme is going to be reputation, utility, and governance tokens. So as we are in the era of Web3, social media and personal branding is very, very important. And now we're in, in an era where the users, the influencers, you could say the creators of this content have some ownership, some say. And by the way, a stream of revenue from the content that they put out there. You know, over the past 10 years, there's been many, many reports, research, and you could even say horror stories of platforms monetizing your personal information as an influencer or just as a casual user. The platform I'm about to discuss today enables users to take back some more ownership of their content, create NFTs, and monetize them to their needs. So I'd like to warmly introduce to you all today, CEO Chris Mills and VP of Partner Success, Chrissy Cook of Nifty Token. Thank you very much for coming on today. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Absolutely. So what was the inspiration in creating Nifty Token, you know, from the name and the underlying philosophy of the platform? Yeah, it's a, it's a great story that took uh, quite a few steps to get to where we are today. Um, I think for me personally, this uh, NFT space started to get me excited at the beginning of last year, kind of when everybody started talking about NFTs. Um, and when I really got into the technology, I'm a, a techie at heart. I loved what NFTs represent, um, not necessarily where they were at that exact moment, but where they're going. Um, I think NFTs are going to revolutionize all of our digital assets, or I'm sorry, all of our assets, and they'll be represented in a, in a digital world. And so a bunch of our co-founders, um, there's quite a few of us, um, just kind of got together and said, how, how can we get involved in this space? You know, what, what can we do to, um, to help? And so um, some of our, our co-founders, like I said, started to get into Clubhouse. And they started to just listen to the problems that people were having. And they were listening to the artists and what the artists had to say. Um, and kind of the common problem was a few different things. One, it's really, really difficult to create NFT as an artist because they're not technical. Um, right. Two, how do you know the value or you know what's good or, or what's bad? Um, and you know, from an end user or a buyer, like how do you know what's authentic and all of that? And right. so with all of those different um, problems, we kind of sat around and we uh, came up with this idea of Nifty, the Nifty token, which we'll be talking about today. Excellent. And the technology behind Nifty token you use an ERC-20 token. Talk about that process and uh, talk about the, I guess you could say, the thinking process and kind of the end point to, you know, concluding, let's proceed with an ERC token. Yeah. Going so forward. whenever we got into the space, we actually started Nifty around June of 2021. Um, almost all NFT sales were happening on Ethereum. And so we really need to support the Ethereum blockchain to do that. And so in doing so, we went with the ERC-20 token so that when people um, were utilizing the utility of our token, they were on the same chain as what, where most of the NFT sales were taking place. Right. And the problem that uh, you, know, you and this company sought to solve, obviously, is you know, ownership of your own personal branding as an influencer on social media. So when putting this together, what were some of the complaints and what were some of the gripes and issues you were hearing from, let's say, influencers or just people trying to get into this uh, space and, you know, really create a buck out of some of the meaningful work they were doing? 
Yeah, the barrier to entry is really high on both the buyer and the seller side. Um, right. Not only do you need to be a, a crypto user, um, but uh, it, it's expensive, right? I mean, right. especially when the NFT started selling, if you wanted to buy an NFT for 20 bucks, you'd pay $180 in gas. Right. Uh, <laughs> so we really wanted to carve out a space for people that wanted to start to get into the NFT space, um, but not necessarily have the funds to do it. Um, I own another tech company that use, it has done a lot of work in U, uh, UI UX, so just the general user experience. So we felt right. like we, we would have a good grasp on trying to onboard people. But really what we've created, and we'll get more into the nuts and bolts, but normally in a normal NFT, you've got a um, you've got the seller who's created the, probably created the art, and you've got the buyer. So right. we've created this layer in between that we're calling advocates. Okay, and right. these advocates are the people that are actually looking at different NFTs. So in front of the sales funnel, we've created like a pre-sale window. And so let's say you're an artist, you want to sell your NFT. Before you go to OpenSea, you come right. to Nindy, you put your you put your NFT through our advocate, our our advocation network. All of our users will look through the ones that are coming through there and they will advocate nifty tokens towards which NFTs they like. Got it. Then when that window closes, um, it, it then goes for sale. So we're basically creating a whole, you know, more people that can actually look at your NFTs. So you're getting more audience. Um, and then what the advocates get is we're carving out a percentage of the final sale. So our default percentage is 7.5%. Okay. So this thing sells for 100 ETH, 7.5 ETH gets distributed to all the advocates who have allocated their tokens towards the NFT. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it adds the incentive for the advocators to promote that art, right? The ones that they've staked their nifty token on. So right. it adds a whole influencer level to the uh, to the process as well. Right. And even beyond art, this could even pertain to things like video reels or you could say photo sets, memes even, correct? Experiences. Experiences. Absolutely. That's awesome. And I like the uh, I like the term advocacy because in fact, or advocates rather, because I think that in many ways, that is really the, you know, the function uh, of this, at least this part of the, the ecosystem to say the least. When putting this together, what was the, I guess you could say the energy usage or you could say the, um, the electricity, I guess you could say, uh, I guess, output of this, because a lot of times people will be like, OK, and I and I'll preface it like the cynics of blockchain will often preface it like, well, you know, blockchain is great, but it also exhausts and consumes a lot of energy. So, um, you know, being faced with some of that, like, um, you know, criticism, by the way, uh, what was your kind of thinking or what was your you know response to that? Because I've heard it personally many times and so have sure. you know, many of the guests. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting question. Um, when I talk to people about it, one thing that I, I do like to remind them is that the uh, the processing power that's out there that's running, um, right. it, it's that's happening no matter what. Right. So if if we don't come and, and put transactions on there or we do like these blocks are constantly getting built, these mining machines are continued to mine. Um, right. As we add more miners, we're obviously consuming more electricity. Right. Um, I have kind of a fun story. Uh, so back when they used to build power plants, um, 
you know, this whole idea of just like the electricity always running, they used to generate excess power because it had to be able to meet the demand at, a, at any given time. Sure. And so they would build these smelters in there and actually like do all, anything that was extra. They would use like melt metal and do things like that. Right. So that they weren't wasting the energy. A lot of miners or some miners have actually went and re revamped those and turned those into mining um, mining facilities to actually mine crypto. Wow. So a lot of power that is being used. Um, it's like recycled and repurposed. Or or it would just be wasted. So it would it would have, yeah. it would have, it, if it's not being pulled, then it just it ends up getting wasted into some form of energy that's not used. And so it's not as bad as I think people say. And then Ethereum obviously might eventually go to proof of stake, which would totally get rid of um, the right. power. Uh, Ninety percent of the power consumption would go away then. Got it. And, you know, my, my feeling is this, if we were to compare, let's say, your platform to an art gallery, let's say this is kind of a venue where you show an array or a collection of art. Imagine, I guess you could say, the resources that go into the mere energy bill, so to say, the materials, the processing and making reproductions of art. You know, even though those may not be as obvious, you know, those do also have an effect on the environment just by the mere chemicals, you know, very sophisticated, fine chemicals that are used. And then thinking about currency, you know, I can only imagine the processes, the uh, energy <laughs> consumption that goes into the smelting of coinage and the printing yeah. of bills, you know, yeah. the, the inks, the paper, the processing of that paper, the packaging. So, you know, Transporting. I think transporting it as well right so you know things like this you know may end up being the greener more sustainable you know alternative you know going forward so i'm very excited about this you know now going through the white paper you mentioned that this platform is blockchain ledger agnostic Can you talk about that a little bit yeah so you know we really want to focus on nfts and i think nfts are obviously going to uh, exist on um many different chains they already do um just so you know since our white paper we're now on polygon as well excellent um, so uh you can do ev everything advocating all of our dap our web3 dap is fully supported on polygon so people can get into our token for a fraction of the cost um without the gas fees right uh, well, well significantly less gas fees and so we want to continue to go uh, across chains um we're on uh we're our tokens on binance smart chain now um, and so we're going to continue that process. We don't want to just be stuck to one ecosystem. We want to, we really, at the end of the day, want to support the NFT uh, as, as a whole, the whole space. Right, right. And as far as, you know, NFTs and, you know, receiving royalties and residual income, can you talk about that a little bit? It's, it's that's a, a kind of a revolving um, thing right now that's still being worked out across a, a variety of platforms right now like OpenSea, for example supports their own royalty-based system but it has to right. stay within their marketplace um there is actually an if out there for a new um erc standard that builds in the royalty payments into the smart contract um it, it, it hasn't been like officially integrated i can't remember what it's going to end up being but we're going to basically we went from erc 720s to erc 1155s and we're basically going to end up with an erc something else that right. will support um the royalty payouts and i think that's what the artists are really looking for right. the idea of being able to sell their art and take a you know a one percent cut for you know as long as it's out there as um, passive income i think is is huge and is a game changer for 
the NFT space. Right. And I think whether it's art or whether it's currency, especially scarcity and having a set supply is very, very important. So, you know, kind of looking at our current global financial system, quantitative easing, AKA <laughs> the seemingly unlimited printing of currency has uh, done more than its fair share of damage, especially in the hyperinflation that we're seeing today. So, you know, very good projects always have, you know, digital scarcity in mind. So talk about, you know, your thinking as far as, you know, nifty token and kind of setting the supply of certain things. Yeah, we we thought we talked about this a lot. Um, and, you know, we actually get a hard time because our initial supply was, was just five million tokens. And, okay. You know, most of these guys out there, they just. By the way, that's good. That's still very, very small. So yeah, correct. So we get a hard yeah. time. It's so small. Um, people yeah. are like, why, why did you only do five million? You should have done five quadrillion or whatever. Right. Um, wanted to support that uh, the scarcity fact. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk. Uh, I'm not a economics major or anything, but the difference between you know deflationary and inflationary currency, um, it's uh, it's tough. So we just set a, a, right. a relatively small growth rate on our. I mean, a competitive but small. So I think the way ours is set up is if every single person staked our token and everybody owned all of our tokens, it would take six years for the supply to double or something like that, which is very, very slow growth. Right. But it is but very stable, nevertheless. Yeah. And measurable. So, yeah, that's great. And uh, as somebody who's you know studied Solidity and created smart contracts, I am by no means an expert, but that can be a very arduous, you know, almost you could say painstaking process. So what was it like putting the smart contracts together? you know, for this platform, which by the way, it's probably going to be the future of the way a lot of businesses operate, whether it's in finance or law, these self-executing programs, aka smart contracts, it's going to save a lot of time and money and add to efficiency. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I, you know, I started messing around with Ethereum, um, maybe four years ago, and I really got excited about writing smart contracts with Remix and, um, oh, good stuff. Yeah, and so it's uh, just as a programmer, um, you know, I started programming in the third grade, and wow, actually started my first company in high school two years ago. Started. He's an overachiever. So that is awesome. Yeah, third yeah. grade. That's that's incredible. But I love what smart contracts are doing. Um, you know, one thing that is uh, very very important out there with these smart contracts, if you're doing anything with financials, is doing an audit. So we use Certic to do our our smart contract audit and they did a really good job of going through looking for loopholes and ownership issues and they published you know a public paper to you know say right. what they reviewed and um so it's it's kind of interesting because it's a little bit different than traditional programming you you know you right. normally wouldn't go to audit and also your your codes verified on the blockchain so people can read it um so it's right. supporting more openness um code sharing you know less you know proprietary patent type thinking that people used to have and more let's share as the resources and the knowledge as, as we grow, which I think is better. Right. And the famous NFT artist Beeple, you know, his famous uh, work of art was 5,000 days. It seems like many were inspired essentially by that story and by that piece, as far as putting together these NFT platforms and, you know, tools and solutions. Uh, did that enter your mind as well? Um, you know, the, the Beeple piece is obviously a, a staple and, and the first thing that showed success um, that, you know, there was value in, in NFTs. And so 
you know, I really feel like it helped pave the way for people. I think most people still don't understand how significant NFTs will, is going to impact their life. Um, they're, you know, my, in my head, it's like, I imagine I'm going to like load up my bank app. I'm going to see my cryptocurrency. I'm going to see my car title. I'm going to see my house. And those are all right. the NFTs. And when I click on my house, I'll be able to see when I bought it, what the ge you know, geographical latitude, sure. longitude, what did I pay for it then? What did it appreciate? If I want to sell it, I don't need to go get title insurance or um, <laughs> all these different things. I'll be able to right. transfer it from my wallet. And so that, to me, the fact that the Beeper piece came out and showed there's actual value here is really what started bringing a lot of mainstream you know, uh, consensus into this. So, Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm very much looking forward to that day where you literally have like a smart house linked to your phone or like some sort of blockchain wallet. And you can essentially use non-fungible tokens to kind of execute and navigate and actually do things really just at your at your own convenience. So uh, I was kind of hoping and I was a big fan of, you know, old movies like you could say Blade Runner and Fifth Element and cyberpunk movies like that or Johnny Mnemonic, I kind of, I was kind of hoping we'd be there already. So it looks like we may be another five, you know, five to 10 years for, you know, uh, you know, some of that stuff as well. And when it comes to like NFT art, do either of you have a certain artist or certain style that, you know, you like? Chrissy, I'll let you go on that one. By all means. Um, it's, it's funny that you say that because, it, you know, not that, the famous board apes is not art. It, it is a form of art, but right. I tend to like traditional art. Sure. Paintings, abstract, right. things like that. That's what, you know, I gravitate towards. I, I, I don't think that is a uh, isolated opinion. I actually, in fact, more often than not, that's what I hear from many in this space, yeah. actually, especially when it comes to the board ape yacht club and by the way i understand you know it's all in the eye of the beholder and you know i, I respect that but uh I, I certainly do understand and certainly empathize with that that sentiment to say the least. But you know i mean <laughs> hey they they have scored big i mean you know it's it's fantastic for the space i think it's um phenomenal for future projects um what they've been able to accomplish um they definitely have set the uh the bar when it comes to uh community building right and i think that they've their project has really given the rest of the uh space something to learn you know we can learn from yeah. what they've done and it's only going to make the rest of us stronger right i agree and i think there's a lesson to be learned too from you know board apes or even crypto punks i think Prior to this, there's a lot of overhead and barriers to entry when it comes to artists trying to get into the industry, trying to create a collection and trying to be profitable, you know, from this. It, it seems very much like a closed society in many ways. So you have to have the right patron. You have to have the right customers. You have, there has to be like a lot of things in alignment for that, so to say. And I think even when artists sign up to an art gallery, um, they really have to split their profits, sometimes 50-50 with the gallery itself. So if you've spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours, not even including the supplies that go in, it's, it's, very, um, it's very questionable how much you end up kind of taking home. It seems like with this, 
let's say if I wanted to be an artist tomorrow, you know, Adam, Christopher English, amateur NFT artist, you know, I could just get to work tonight on this, so, so to say. And I, I have made a few NFTs of my dog before just to kind of familiarize myself. And I have a Shiba Inu, so it's the same mascot as Dogecoin. So I made a few of those of her. But it is hopeful considering the fact that you can make something that's kind of silly and kind of out of the box and really make some money from it. Yeah, I think you bring up a, a, a really good point, and it, it also says a lot about why we made Nifty. So mm -hmm. one of the problems we're seeing is even with the NFT today and the whole scenario you brought up, the new gatekeepers for the artist is kind of like OpenSea. Um, if OpenSea doesn't verify you, if OpenSea doesn't put you on their front page, like nobody's ever going to find you. And That's so, a very good point, yeah. So you end up with that kind of that same traditional problem that you had with the... Um, with the old the old process and that's one of the reasons we made nifty is so instead of just having one gatekeeper we can have hundreds of thousands if not hopefully millions of advocates who are going through and watching these things and they have a financial incentive to try to pick and help which ones do i like research the guy's story did right did he work on this who is he and all that and then that's going to create buzz and that's going to help um alleviate this these gatekeepers that like, like I said, like OpenSea or NiftyGate, whatever that's picking the drop and when it's happening and all that kind of stuff and, and, and being more friendly to the artists themselves. Right. And, you know, going off of that too, Chris, it seems like the advocate's role kind of uh, democratizes, you know, this process as well, because I share a similar gripe as you when it comes to OpenSea, because sometimes when I try to look for a certain artist or a certain piece, it seems like it's very easy for things to get buried in OpenSea. So like, I'll keep refreshing the page and I'll probably see the same group or collection of artists, you know, with their stuff out there. And, you know, that's great and all, and I'm sure that's a metric of success for them, but, you know, I kind of want to see what I want to look for, so to say. Yeah. And it is, and also see if anybody else shares that, you know, sentiment as well. So it kind of makes me wonder when I go to some of these pages, is the attention or is the focus only going to be on the front runners and not the underdogs, so to say? Because whatever happens in the future, so the next big artist or the next people is going to be at some point some kind of underdog in the space. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to see who that person or persons will be. Yeah. And that's kind of why we have, like you said, we're democratizing that. So you have the more advocators we have, the more research and due diligence is going to get done. And I feel like they will find those needles in the haystack and they'll do that because if you think about it, if you've got somebody that's nobody, it's not well known, but they've done an amazing job and you find them, um, then you're incentivized financially to try to help, you know, tell that guy's story and help make that. So I think that whole process will organically make, make all of this happen. Right. And uh, could you talk a little bit about the uh, nifty tokens themselves? And by the way, I like the mm -hmm. name. I like the design. It kind of just flows, you know, because everybody knows the term nifty. And also NFT is, you know, obviously in the name. So nifty tokens, you know, there's like kind of like a, it's intuitive. You know, you automatically associate it with something pleasant. Go ahead, Chrissy. Oh, I was just going to say it's pretty spiffy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you know, there's it's it's the utility behind Nifty Token is it, there's three facets to it. You know, when you buy it, you stake it, which allows you to have more rewards with the Nifty Token, right? Right. And then you use your stake tokens to advocate for the NFTs, 
and you share in the revenue from that right. NFT. You know, the seven and a half percent is divided. So it does have a lot of utility behind it. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it's just it's exciting. The whole process. I didn't expect it to be so gamified, I guess. Right. You know? Um, when we did our, you know, we're still in beta, but when we had our, our very first beta run, it was just, it was thrilling because it was like, okay, I've got this amount of nifty and I've got to put it on. I've only got, what, how many did we start with? Five, Chris? Uh, I believe we did yeah, six, five or six for, yeah, five. Yeah, for our first run, yeah, beta, five. we had six NFTs that we could allocate it, our tokens on. And so you had to pick and choose, you know, how much, how many tokens you're going to allocate on this NFT and, you know, really looking at the NFT and which one do you think is going to sell, which one, you know, is going to become the most popular. And so we did a, um, our avocation cycle usually lasts for six or seven days. Right. So by day two, when I went and I checked in the DAP, everything had changed. I mean, it was like all of these people came in and started advocating on the ones that I thought, you know, we're going to, we're going to be the best ones. And so then it was, well, maybe I'll reduce my allocation here and put more over here. And so there's a whole game um, behind the, the avocation or allocation of your nifty tokens. And it Got gets it. pretty exciting. So like, so like as a hypothetical, so if I'm to use myself as an example, so I'm a huge fan of, you know, 80s action movies, i.e. Arnold Schwarzenegger, probably as you can see in the mural behind me of Pumping Iron. So if there's like an artist, let's say in the nifty ecosystem, and they're making these really cool Terminator type, you know, NFT art collections, but I noticed like in other forums, you know, the artist is there, but it's just kind of buried, you know, beneath other works of art. And let's say if I go on Nifty, you know, it's there, but I want it to just have more attention. I want more eyes on it. You know, hopefully if I get a piece and there's more eyes on it, you know, the price will, you know, increase over time and more people would buy it. So let's say hypothetically, I buy 500 Nifty tokens and I just fire them all right at this artist and these pieces. That is gonna move it at the front of the line with me essentially being an advocate. Is that correct? Yeah, and um, the thing the thing to remember also is you buy the 500 tokens and you um, you will lock them up until that NFT sells. But once it Got sells, it. you get the 500. You'll those 500 tokens are still come back to you. They're just unlocked again. So then you use those 500 That's tokens. That's great. For the next one. So there's the, the only thing that it's costing you to to lock those up is just opportunity cost. Sure. You know, or, um, it, it maybe you put all 500 on that one that you thought was going to be great and it didn't sell, then you right. just lost, you know, you lost an opportunity, but it, it, that's it. Right. Got it. That's uh, that's, that's pretty cool. And as far as 2020, what are some of the uh, benchmarks and goals that, you know, you and your team, you and Chrissy hope to accomplish for this year? 2022. Yes. <laughs> you said did, I say, did I say 2020? You did. Oh, sorry, I meant 2022. Yeah. Are we going back to 2020? <laughs> not yeah, by the way, I just want to let you know um, I have a time tra traveling device here. Yeah. Are you st are you still locked down from 2020? Uh, maybe. Well, you know, in fun well, it's funny, I think especially up here in the in the northeast, you know, there has been very um, I guess you could say heavy duty 
rather vigorous, you know, lockdown. So, you know, people still do regularly, you know, wear masks, whether, you know, entering and exiting stores or, you know, going to schools and things like that. So <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes I forget. Uh, my, my kids go to school in LA and um, they just dropped the uh, mask mandate last Monday. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, even for outside. So it's, uh, they've been wearing them since two years ago. Um, well, I guess since they reopened the schools, but yeah. Right. But to answer your actual question, um, we have a huge roadmap ahead of us. Um, the big thing is building our advocate, you know, getting more advocates into the, into the DAP. And right. so really our, we're talking about moving web two users to web three, which is right. everybody in this space. This is what we're trying to do. Um, there's still a lot of friction. Um, it's really hard to get um, a non-technical person over there. Um, it's hard to get move money, you know, any of your fiat right. into crypto if you if you don't have some. And and then most people go through centralized exchanges, which that doesn't allow you to use Web three. Um, sure. So we're really um, one of the things that Chrissy's going to uh, be leading up is our uh, academy program that we're working on. So oh, an education awesome. system to try to um, help onboard. Um, web two to web three um, users. So we're pretty excited about that. The other thing we're going to be building is an artist portal. So your, your dog NFT that you made. So you, yes. know, you make one and you can, you can go list on OpenSea. Well, you would be able to come to Nifty. Right now, we are hand selecting the people that the artists and the NFTs that are going through this process, but nice. you'd better go and create an account upload your nfts create your collection do all that and then you would have you could pick your windows you could say i want to advocate for one hour you know do do it really really quick or i want to advocate for seven days or i want to have a minimum that people can advocate or a maximum and you'd be able to set all of those things yourself and just start nice. sending them through this pre-sale pipeline um and so we're we're pretty excited about that awesome and uh chrissy could you talk about the academy program and uh what to expect and uh how it's coming along well, you know, I've been in crypto since January of 2017. Wow. And so, yeah, one of my biggest things has been just the user experience. And we're still not there. What, we're five five years later and we're still not there. Right. Um, and so I really, I'm going to be looking to partner with different educational companies out there who have the market space who have built it and, you know, develop some partnerships to help lead the effort on um, streamlining the onboarding process of non-cryptos, crypto users into crypto, because it is difficult. I mean, right. even, you know, using crypto for, for the last five years, I mean, Chris last Friday night, I mean, he had to help me for like, 45 minutes. What was it? We were, oh, he was trying to sync all my, my wallets up because I, oh, can, okay. I have a wallet with probably every project that has ever launched because, you know, I was pre ICO days. So, okay. yeah. So, you know, when all the ICOs started and all the projects came out, I immediately got their wallets, got their tokens, you know, and so it's, it's been an experience and, and we hope to lead the effort on, making it more user-friendly. Right. I think the ultimate success in this space is going to be, can you get your grandparents to use this? Can you get your <laughs> aunts and uncles, you know, to yeah. use this? Because if I talk about, you know, 
my show or some of the projects I've worked on, you know, I get a lot of the, the usual questions. Oh, Bitcoin, is that is that used for like money laundering? Is that some sort <laughs> of like scamming tool? And, oh, yeah. and also a lot of times uh, for people who are not otherwise familiar with the space, there seems to be a um, too much of a bleeding together of what Bitcoin and blockchain is almost like they're indistinguishable when you kind of talk to maybe certain lay people, you know, when it comes to this. So, you know, I, I think that's great that you that you and your team are coming up with this type of program, you know, for context, because that's what's going to lead to mass adoption. You know, it's it's not just for non crypto users, but it's for our artists as well, because right. so many artists are not technical. I mean, they barely check their email. And so right. that's been one of the biggest um, the biggest issues is that they have no idea where to start. And we've had artists come to us who have been may have been associated with with other projects out there who have pretty much, you know, lost their percentage of their NFTs. In other words, they only get like 30 or 40 percent from the proceeds of their NFTs. And so we, right. we just we're really trying to change that dynamic. And we're all about the artist and getting the artist the the most revenue that they can possibly receive from their NFTs and from their works. Because, you know, just like in traditional art world, you know, you've got your galleries such as, you, you know, what you mentioned, how they take 50 percent of it. Now, is it yes, always can you always do that? You know, no, depending on the project, you know they may not be able to receive the maximum amount. Like our artists right now, if they are NFT artists and they create their own, then they automatically receive 90% of the proceeds. Got it. Seven and a half goes back to our advocates and two and a half to the platform. So they know that they're going to receive that 90% automatically. Got it. And kind of just going back a little bit, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, this project is like ledger and blockchain agnostic. So for like first time users, like if I have like a MetaMask wallet, for instance, I could link this up into this platform and really just like get to work, right? Yeah, if, if you if you already have a MetaMask wallet, um, it's it's relatively easy to do. We have a ton of YouTube videos that I've, I've made. Um, awesome. Walk you through uh, all kinds of different things from, you know, cross bridging from Ethereum to Polygon or just setting it up um, on how to buy our token. You know, we're on Uniswap, ApeSwap, Bitmart. Um, so we have you know a bunch of different ways to, to get a hold of the tokens. And so we've got some some information out there that um, that will help get people in wherever they currently are. Now, a lot of my videos nice. I'll start out with, like, if you have absolutely no crypto at all, <laughs> you know this is not you know, he's like not. contact Chrissy <laughs> yeah oh very nice <laughs> and I mean it because it, it is a three to four day process you know if, if we have someone who wants nifty token it, it takes about three or four days to onboard them yeah because right. you know say you, you you've never been in crypto and you open a coinbase account and they'll let you buy ethereum you know right away but they won't let you export it because they're they're for fraud reasons. So they'll lock right. it for three or four days. So then you need to get it off their centralized exchange and onto the actual blockchain so that you can actually, you know, utilize Web3 um, benefits. Yeah. And in teaching people how to, you know, navigate blockchain and cryptocurrency, and I guess you could say onboarding, 
where has most of the interest be? Has it been has it been in Bitcoin? Has it been in Ethereum, um, Dogecoin? I think because we're else? we're so hyper focused on NFTs, everybody that's coming to us is on the Ethereum side. Um, okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's just because we're in that subset. You know, right. I know there's there's a huge amount of support all over the place, but the majority of people we talk to are Ethereum users. Got it. Got it. And you know, I, you know, like I said before, this is certainly going to be an, an exciting, an exciting year for NFTs, the metaverse. You know, this, this really, this entire space. So, backtracking a little bit to like NFT artists, in terms of the very, very big ones out there, if you had to choose, which one of those NFT influencer artists would you like to have on Nifty using the platform? and advocating and selling their own work if you had to choose for me you know i, I don't think for me i've i tell our team this um a lot when we're looking at nfts i think what people are really looking for is two things um they want to buy something that they feel like is going to have more value in the future right right so i want to buy an nft that i think is going to be worth more down the road than it is today um, right. and they really like to buy things that have good utility right uh, Hey, I'm going to get into this club. I get to talk to these people. I get access to this event. Um, you know, I get my name on a plaque. You know, what, you know whatever. Right, right. And so, when we are looking for artists, we're really looking for for those two, those two primary things. Um, and so, you know, you do see a lot of the you know the big boys we already talked about. You know, the, the Ape Yacht Club, and obviously that gives you access into a very exclusive. Uh, community that uh, of high net worth individuals, so they, you know there's a there's definitely value there. Plus, um, those continue to appreciate in value, so you know you're going to get to sell. So I think it's more of having those key components for us when we talk to the artist. Got it. And within the Nifty Token platform, is there some sort of tool or functionality for like golden ticket NFTs or you know NFTs that can kind of fulfill these? like limited edition roles. So let's say if I was to use myself as an example, let's say I make 50 copies of my my Shiba Inu uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> NFT collection, my dog, Doge yeah. rather. But I wanted to make essentially like a 10 unit or a 10 picture limited edition where there's some sort of like animation to it, where there's some sort of like additional fluorescent or some sort of different stylistic colors in it that kind of make it, really cool or you know some of those nft art pieces where essentially if you use an app on it you can actually unlock even different features and effects from that that you can't otherwise like do with let's say normal pieces of the collection so to say yeah yeah we actually we've already had one artist do a similar um process so it was a a, a part of one big collection and there was one particular one in the collection that um, also had like music that was with it. Um, so right. they all were animated. They all had their own, you know, built-in awesome. animation. But this one special one had, you know, a custom soundtrack that he had made that played it. Very nice. In the background. So you can, you know, all of that is possible. And it, and it really comes to just the artist inspiration. Got it. And we have some, some yes, really Chris, cool things that, that, our artists are looking at doing like we've got traditional we have one artist who um i believe he's from italy and we've taken his his original artwork and we've brought it to life we've added movement to the actual physical painting and we've nice. it. so that that's going to be a nice project that we launch 
And so we, we look at doing different things like that. We'll pair our artist with a digital creator um, to allow them to collaborate with each other to come up with a unique piece um, for the digital world or for the metaverse. Um, we right. also look at doing what we've we've kind of uh, coined meta pairing, where meta pairing, where um, if you buy the digital version, you also get the physical version. Very nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I've heard that called fidgetal. <laughs> I think. One of our co-founders, Steve, came Digital. up with Metaparian, and we were like, oh, we That's a good term. I like it. Metaparian. Yeah. You know, and then we've got, um, we've just got so many different projects and partners that keep reaching out, and they're just ready to, to come on board with Nifty and some really cool collaborations. I can't, I can't elaborate on all of them, but we have um, partnered with... Uh, Miami Swim Week. And awesome. so, yeah, so we're going to be doing some special NFTs and some um, VIP experience events with Miami Stuff. Swim Week. Yeah. Um, one of our artists is the creator of Greece. Um, and so we're doing some pretty neat stuff from the Very classic, nice. you know, from the classic. Yeah, from the classic. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We've got some, uh, some collectible items that will be NFTing as well as doing some experiences as well. So that's just a couple that I can mention right now. Please keep me posted. Uh, I'd love to, you know, learn more about this as, you know, kind of we, we get closer to those dates. Yeah. And I want we've to know met with Yacht yes. Makers. Um, we've met with uh, feature film producers that want to, you know, collaborate on some stuff. Um, it's, it's just, it's extremely exciting. Wow. Well, if I'll tell you this, if you have Greece among, uh, among the roster there, I am, uh, I'm very excited to see the other names you'll be able to pull, pull in, you know, through mm -hmm. this project. And, you know, every guest that I've had on the show has some sort of journey or some sort of moment where the light switch flicked on and really became enthralled and passionate about this. And in fact, I have to say, I've seldom, if ever, met anybody who's been apathetic when it came to blockchain or NFTs or cryptocurrency. So I was wondering if both of you could talk about when that moment was for both of you, especially Chrissy, you've been in this space <laughs> since 2017. So that like pretty much makes you a veteran to say the least. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, for me, um, uh, it was in just for my thing keeps showing my cameras freezing. Is it freezing for you guys or? No, no, okay. not at all. Good. Um, so for me, uh, being a software engineer for my whole life, pretty much, uh, you know, I'm 39 now. Um, I've grown up with all the, the movies that you've been talking about from the Blade Runner and, you know, all, all the different, you know, things of the future. And what really, really triggered me or put the light on for me was this concept of immutable data. And so that is what the blockchain does and and i think for most people that aren't maybe in an engineer they don't understand how big of a deal that is but the idea that we can write something down and it can never ever be changed or modified changes technology because up until that point there was always somebody like me a sys admin or somebody that had access to make something disappear or make something sure. go away and so think about how many movies you've seen star wars for example where oh the 
planet got deleted by some <laughs> back encoder or some you know governmental entity that said we're going to pretend like that never existed sure. so blockchain enables us to create data that cannot be manipulated and it cannot be changed by power users or, or sys admins and so that was where i saw like a revolution of just not only where we are but where we're going and all of these thoughts of where even the fictional thoughts of where we thought we would be we should never right. have to get there because we we have what we're calling a trustless system you know it's it's built by a consensus network of of groups that are you know trying to keep everything um legitimate and 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 as i said immutable so immutable data is what really got me excited about everything blockchain and nft wow and how about yourself, Chrissy? I would imagine you have quite a story, especially being in on it since uh, 2017. Yeah, well, you know, I I actually come from a healthcare IT background, IT or IT development. So you know, claims processing, um, develop you know claims transactions and things like right. that. Um, and so I was actually working on a project and the. Uh, I was working for a small affiliate company at the time and and the owner kept saying chrissy you need to go buy some bitcoin and i'm like what what is bitcoin he goes it's like digital cash or you know you just trust me you need to go buy it and this was in september of 2016. and i was like so i'm gonna go buy it are they gonna ship it to me so that i have my coin you know which is that's sure. typical everyone when you very first start talking about it everyone thinks that you're going to buy it and then you're going to get it because we're so used to thinking about physical assets, you know, right. tangible, being able to hold, touch, feel things. So it right. took me a little while to really wrap my head around it. Um, I researched it from like September until January and then I just went, okay, well, I'm just going to buy some. So when I bought in, I think Bitcoin was at um, nine, around $965, maybe somewhere around there. Now, did I buy a full Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> you wish you bought 20. Because, you, <laughs> you know, you don't know what you don't know, mm -hmm. right? right? Had I known then what I know today, I would have, you know, dove all in, but I didn't. So nice. that really gave me the bug. And so, you know, having a healthcare background, I did some research on, um, I just typed in healthcare and blockchain and up popped an article, I think it was from Deloitte, where they were talking about moving medical claims transactions to the Ethereum blockchain. Oh, yeah. And I went, oh, now you're talking my language. <laughs> and I remember at that time, I think there were like, three, maybe four coins in Coinbase. There was Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and I think maybe something else. And I and I went, oh, I remember seeing Ethereum over there, you right. know, in my Coinbase. So I went and it was $19. <laughs> and so I dove all in on Ethereum, which, wow. yeah. So, and that was like in March of 17, um, you know, and I just went. I wish I had a time machine now. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I know. And, and, you know, a couple, I think a couple weeks later, I was taking a walk or something. And it just struck me, you know, Ethereum girl in a blockchain world, because I was like, what does Ethereum, you know, rhyme with? And, and it just, you know, Madonna's material girl popped in my head. <laughs> right. Because, right. You know, I'm, you know, I grew up in the, you know, my teenage years were in the 80s, you know, and so it was, 
is just it just rhymed it just hit me ethereum girl in a blockchain world yeah no it, it definitely does flow and in fact uh when i first started studying and earning certifications in this and reading books about this one of the projected successful use case scenarios was going to be solutions for medical records yeah and in the blockchain space especially with mm -hmm. kind of many of the inefficiencies fraud and you could say Absolutely. you know data lapses or however you want to put it you know within that within that space and you know especially if like you're um you're a patient let's say you're traveling and you have to see a variety of doctors because you got in sick or injured mm -hmm. You know so to say having to essentially start fresh with each doctor you visit and you know if you're yeah. injured or sick you're probably not going to even remember everything you're supposed to tell and you know if you there is an immutable ledger where you can access everybody's information i can only imagine the amount of money yeah. and time lives even oh it, can, i tell you is that you know healthcare is still something that's very near and dear to my heart um yeah but also it's it's a it's a space that can really take you to some dark places, you know, I, I mean, if you're, if you're in it and you're on the administrative side, because there's, it, it's a broken system. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, exactly what you're talking about um, it are some of the use cases that are still being developed today. I mean, they're, they're working on it, but it's healthcare and it takes a lot longer, you know, yeah. Adam, mm -hmm. when you brought up the, you know, kind of talking to, you know, your grandparents or somebody that's older that wants to understand um, blockchain better. The example I most often use is um, I start with um, who, who owns your healthcare data? Yeah. And <laughs> most people are like, I don't know. And then you say, well, who do you think should own your healthcare data? <laughs> Me. Right. So nice. I then, you know, bring up the, this concept of, you know, moving all that to the blockchain you having the key files and the storage and the, and the custodian access to control it. And then not only do you flip around who's owning that data, but then you can limit the access. So when I go to my doctor and I'm gonna be there from 12 to one, I open up access to my doctor from 12 to one, they can look at all my medical records, do whatever they need right. to do. But then when I leave and the front desk attendants wants to go and you know nose around in my files, they can't look at it anymore. You know, right, right. now you've got, you were talking about data overlap, you probably have met all kinds of medical records and all kinds of doctor's offices from decades that are outdated and people sure. can access them and they can get hacked. And, and so the just the healthcare system and blockchain is just such a, an amazing use case for this. But as Chrissy said, it's probably one of the toughest industries to mess with. It's very, it, that in the banking system, which, hey, we're right there. Um, but I, I do see the future where we all start owning our own individual um, healthcare records. And I think that's the way it should be. Right. Yeah, it so, should. And, you know, the, the sad thing about it is, you know, I'm all about patient portals and being able to get in there and see my data and, and just, you know, operate and communicate online rather than having to call the, the physician office. But still today, you know, even if a provider's office has a portal, they don't use it. <laughs> right. I mean, they're like, I'm like, do you have a portal? Can I just communicate? Oh, yeah, but we don't use that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is like one big legacy system, you know, in, in many ways, you know, medical yeah. records and kind of, you know, the medical medical industry. Wow. It's, the, uh, big, 
it's the big database in the sky from, you know, all of the healthcare players and they don't, yeah. you know, they hoard their data and they don't want to share. And that's a conversation that has been occurring since, you know, I started my career back in, you know, 94. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was at in a in a meeting with um, large hospital players here in Arkansas, as well as um, the primary insurance companies. And, right. you know, they'd all talk about sharing data. But here we are, you know, how many years later? And they're still talking yeah. about sharing data. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, I have to say one of my concerns has always been, uh, you know, kind of unwanted eyes on, you know, my medical data. So listen, like I'm totally fine. Let, let's say I have to go to the doctor, go to the hospital, get treated, you mm -hmm. know, you know, from I've gotten like concussions before and stuff like that. And, you know, it makes sense where the physician, the treating physician sees your records, the attending nurse sees your records. But what about people like interns? That's see, see like things like that. I'm like, okay, should they really be seeing my information? I understand that maybe they're doing an internship here, so to say. Not to knock on interns, but like which unwanted parties are actually having eyes on my, you know, medical records? Because if it's for like the purpose of processing what I'm what I need to, let's say, get done, that's fine. But if it's just kind of floating out there, just kind of conveniently <laughs> out there, you know, that's kind of the issue I have. Well, Absolutely. you know, it, you, you bring up a good point and you're probably not aware of this, but your your data is, is safer inside a hospital um, within their ecosystem in the hospital. So, okay. you know, ha interns having access to to your data, it's more secure than what you think. Like unless a provider or um, the direct personnel who is providing you care is listed as providing you care, no one else can access it. Okay. So, you know, they're a little too stringent when it comes to that aspect, because if a consulting physician comes in, they don't have all the data that they need in order to <laughs> look at your case right. because they're not assigned to see all of your data. Right. So there are, you know, they're still working on that. But what you probably don't realize is that the, um, the software companies who provide um, EMRs or electronic medical records to your physician office, okay, those are third-party entities. And in order to participate in your provider office portal, right. <laughs> you have to consent to release all of your data to the third-party entity. Right. And that is, that's where your actual data is sold. Okay. So they may strip it down, you know, they, they'll de-identify it, right. but they sell that, that, you know, those chunks of data to pharmaceutical companies, to research, to this, to that. So one day, you know, what can blockchain do by allowing individuals to own their data, it allows that individual to profit from their data rather right. than third party entity. So my question is, so, and by the way, that is a great explanation. So now I definitely appreciate that. And I understand that, let's say the information is watered down and I guess you could say filtered, but couldn't the problem also be, and I guess this is probably a further justification of blockchain is that let's say if some individual group or company is doing just massive data farming to sell kind of information, couldn't they just start building profiles of people 
based on that watered down information and essentially start deducing who is who, or is that still a little too far, too far ahead? They probably, they probably, they're doing all that stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're doing that with tracking your, you know, your phone and what routers you're hitting. And I mean, yeah. it's, yeah. It's, they it's do insane. all of that now. I, I went down a rabbit hole one time and I, I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, but I kept clicking on the, the third party links, you know, that you, when you sign up for stuff. Right. So if you ever in, in the security, um, I guess the, the terms and the T's and C's, right. The terms and conditions and the privacy policy. So if you ever keep clicking, you'll end up where your data actually goes. And, and I did oh. this with, I can't remember if it was a healthcare portal or if it was one of the apps that I downloaded and I ended up at Axiom. Oh, okay. it was, I mean, I ended up all the way to Axiom and then I was like, wow, well, if I could get here, then I can, I could sign up with Axiom and go back and get all, all this other data that I wanted. And, wow. and I did, I signed up and an account rep was assigned to me and I had the ability to pay to get any of the data that I wanted. Wow. That yeah, I'm is, sure we uh, could do an entire podcast on. I was <laughs> just going to say that, like, this yeah. would make a great follow-up episode to, yeah. you know, talk about these things. And I think, uh, you know, Chris, I think your your kind of your primer question to people who owns your medical data. I bet you a lot of people are going to be very interested now if that's how you kind of approach it um, mm -hmm. when it comes to you know blockchain. Well, who owns your medical records? Yeah, yeah. that's a that's a pretty significant thing, to yeah. say the least. So that's awesome. And by the way, so this is a very, you know, you could say this is a very adventurous, very dynamic, you know, venture, Nifty Token. So what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs out there who are trying to do something in this space and do something meaningful <laughs> in this space? And, you know, even still in 2022, there's still a map. The majority seems to be still rather skeptical you know, of this space. And I would even imagine even people with more technical backgrounds, like, you know, in software engineering and stuff like that. So yeah. if either of you could provide like something anecdotal as far as advice or a story along with that, it'd be great. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I, I think for, for anybody that's listening to this, um, the advice I would give them is that this, even, even the blockchain, but definitely the NFT world is the wild, wild west. <laughs> I mean, the, the regular, you know, you got, tax issues with the irs you've got sec yeah. issues so you know you can think of exactly how you want to build it but it's not going to go um you're going to run into so many roadblocks or unknowns or things it's just it's not a mature ecosystem in any sense and a lot of the big players that are in it are not extremely professional um you know you're used to big business you know and it's nice to be able to go to have a meeting in a conference room with you know people um, but a lot of the people in the space are just young and they're, um, you know, they're just moving very, very, very quickly. Um, and, and the governments can't keep up and, they, and the different infrastructures can't keep up. So just be ready for, a, for a, a, I guess you got to keep, keep going and keep at it and, and hope that, uh, just know that the whole industry is trying to move this thing forward as, as progressively as they can. Good stuff. Well said. And what about you, Chrissy? You know, I, uh, blockchain and crypto, you know, it's, it's primarily, um, 
a male's world, right? There's a lot of, there's not a lot of females in, in this space. And so I always try to promote more um, diversity and more, you know, women coming into, into this space and not to, to feel um, less than maybe, or it's not an equal playing field. I really have seen over the last five years, I've really seen a difference in the space itself where women are promoted more in the space. The other thing that I have, I've, I've really seen is um, the lack of education amongst Gen Z's and how crypto and blockchain touch every facet of a career. You know, yeah. it's not just technical. You know, the, the space needs UI UX, communication. They need uh, designers. They need, you know, videographers. And and so any, any college student, anyone looking who has an interest in crypto or blockchain, or even if you don't, you need to educate yourself about it because it is the future. And the more knowledge yeah. that you have about it, the more marketable you're going to be. You know, that's just like in Arkansas. We actually have the Blockchain Center of Excellence up at the University of Arkansas. They have a actual blockchain degree program for their students. And, that's you know, excellent. that's where my daughter attends. And I awesome. continually tell her, you've got to go take this blockchain class. I don't care. Absolutely. I'm not asking you to major in it. I just need you to be knowledgeable about it. And she's a communications major. Right. And so every opportunity that I get, I try to talk about the space in general, just to bring awareness to the younger generation, because they're our future and this technology is our future. So. Yeah. Wow, that is uh, that is beautifully said. And, you know, I have to say, certainly in Web3 and in blockchain, you know, it seems like maybe in part because it's relatively new, um, it, it seems like there is less uh, barriers to, you know, to entry than maybe other, you know, other industries. So, you know, it yeah. seems like as time as time goes on, you know, we're going to see a lot of, you know, female tech entrepreneurs, you know, in this space doing very serious, you know, substantial things you know, mm -hmm. so to say. And I think having the benefit of this whole space being in its infancy, you know, it is easier to just jump right in and just start doing stuff. And, you know, you can get noticed and you can essentially start building, you know, building a name for yourself. You don't essentially have this kind of like country club, good old boy type of, you know, bulwark kind of, you know, just allowing the same people, you know, to kind of, you know, rise up. And by the way, that, you know, male or female, you know, That's right. it doesn't seem like, you know, the Web3 blockchain per se has that, at least yeah. not particularly obvious from what I can, from what I can see anyway. So, you know, Bob Wild West. Right. So Wild West. Well, and, I and love that. Well, it's true. And, you know, back in, in 2017, when the ICO boom started, it was, it was the Wild Wild West. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was pretty much a free for all. And uh, things, you know, kind of settled down a bit. And that's kind of how I, you know, I relate those days to the to today with NFTs. It's like the early ICO days all over again, the wild, wild west. And we'll start to see, you know, things will start to calm down and then we'll start to see more traditional artists. And, right. and you know, that 
the art that we've been talking about, um, it's going to come to the forefront. So, you know, right yeah. now it's just, it's just kind of wild, you know, throw right. it against the wall and see if it sticks. And, and by the way, kind of like dovetailing off the wild, wild west, first off, I absolutely love that notion of, you know, any type of space or any type of industry where it's like that, you know, that's where kind of the most creativity and the most possibilities can be, you know, can be realized. And, you know, and by the way, in the old Wild Wild West days, you did actually have male and female cowboys in those days as well. Yeah. So, you know, you know, there's something a little historical there. But, you know, uh, what, what's good is that is that this is more or less a, a open terrain or a new frontier, so to say. So it's there for those who want to go there. It's there for those who want to take it. And I'll tell you this, you know, from law school and, and even afterwards, you know, there is a sense in certain industries where certain people or the same type of students, so to say, end up getting, you know, the more coveted, you know, you could say internships or externships or things like that. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, bureaucratic stuff or who their family is or, you know, who their name is or, 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 you know, so on and so forth. So I think those things kind of like undermine a lot of the credibility. And I think that exists, whether it's in finance, uh, I hear about it all the time in finance, actually, I'm sure it exists in tech. I'm sure it exists in like a lot of like industries. So, you know, those things kind of keep out otherwise very talented people from really, you know, uh, you know, shining, you know, so to say kind of this, you know, built in, favoritism, you know, nepotism, you know, type of stuff. I have to say what's beautiful about this space, and, and I do mean that beautiful, like I've seen people from completely different industries come into this space, or even people within the tech industry come in this space and they're able to hang up their shingle and make a name for themselves and start kind of gaining momentum. It seems very, very fair, to be honest, because it really seems to me that people who are really hustling are getting probably the results they, they have earned. So like I see that and I, I really do respect and, and appreciate that. And then sometimes I see like in other spaces where I see certain, you know, uh, startups or certain companies and, you know, they're just really, really hustling. And I see that they're not just getting the momentum that I think a lot of people feel that they should. And it's because, oh, OK, because, you know, certain other things, you know, already exist. So I'll tell you this, you know, I'm rooting for you guys. I'm very excited to see what Nifty Token has in store for this year. And by the way, I may take you up on that follow-up episode on, you know, data privacy and uh, blockchain. I think that would make a really great follow-up episode. So if, yeah. you, if you two are interested, uh, you know, I'll send you some dates for maybe, you know, later on this year. And I'd love yeah. to have you both come back on and talk about Nifty Token and get into, uh, you know, data privacy issues because that's not going away. And I think the AI and um, I guess you could say the hacking resources are only going to get more sophisticated. Yeah. over time as well. So at least having a broader knowledge of this stuff is crucial right Definitely. now. And yeah, Adam, you, you're right about the space. I mean, that was one thing that I fell in love with is it's it's accepting, you know, yeah. the, the space doesn't care who you are. Yeah, absolutely. It's accept you for who you are and for what you contribute. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's it's unlike any other industry that I've ever been involved in. I mean, it's just completely different. You have to experience it to understand it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think this has to be one of the most, if not the most entrepreneurial, enterpriser friendly industries, mm -hmm. you know, right now. And by the way, you know, not to per se, like, you know, bitch and moan, but if you look in New Jersey, New York, a lot of small businesses, when they want to start up, they just get killed with taxes just right out the gate. And, you know, otherwise I think, wow, if this 
if this did not exist or if this was somewhere else, they'd already be kicking ass right now, so yeah. to say. And I look at this space and it's like, okay, you can literally get on the floor, ground floor running, and you could essentially take this to wherever you desire or how far your stamina or, or will wants to take you. So, you know, on that front alone, you know, it's the wild, wild west, and it's probably probably one of the best if not the best spaces to really kind of start doing something of substance you know in tech right now definitely absolutely all right well chris chrissy it was an absolute pleasure having you both on in fact i'm going to uh try to set up my own profile on uh nifty token you know shortly and uh maybe start getting more of those shiba inu <laughs> uh nfts i've made into circulation and see uh see where there's See where they and go as well. Let's do it. We'll, we'll put it up. We'll run it through an advocation cycle. All right. Yeah. By the way, it's great. You actually have advocates, so to say, an advocate function built in there, like a real, a real democratization of kind of your say in the NFT yeah. art world, where I think right now a lot of uh, celebrity buy-in is great, you know, but that is really what moves art to the front of the line. If you have like people like Snoop Dogg buying your collection, you know, regardless yeah. of the quality, that's going to be what's moved to the front of the line, so to say. So I, I really like this and I'm very, very curious. And I think this is very promising. So I'll, um, I'll, I'll be keeping in touch, you know, very, very soon and keep me posted with uh, all the events and things you'll both be doing this year. Great. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Adam, so much for having us on. We, we really appreciate it. And we'll definitely be on again. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a pleasure having you both on. So thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Take care.